This evening we will be looking at the opening of this letter that Paul wrote to the people in Rome, Christians in Rome. A famous letter. A letter that when we're giving out evangelism, tracts and various things is often given out to people, shared with people, as it is with the Gospel of John. And why is that? Why this precious letter written by Paul to the Romans? Is it the only place where we can find the gospel in the Bible? No, not at all. But there's something about the clarity and the focus of this letter that Paul writes to the Romans. I would describe it as the Mount Everest of clarity of the gospel. It is the peak of focus of this wonderful gospel message. It is a part of the Bible. It is a book of the Bible that makes it even harder for the unbeliever to mistake its message. That sinners are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. And this letter it starts with an introduction. Like many of the letters in the New Testament. An introduction that gives the foundation and ground. Of how Paul addresses and comes before these Christians in Rome. These believers in Jesus Christ in Rome. In some ways this is a very normal common opening to a letter. But it is still filled with deep truth. It presents before them, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, it presents before them Paul's identity, the Apostle Paul's identity, and his authority to which he's coming before these believers and how he is to address them at all. And that's going to be the title of our message after we read this section of God's word. The Apostle Paul's identity and authority. But before we look at that, we're going to read now Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. And then we're going to look at the first two and a half verses in our preaching. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Let us hear God's holy and infallible word. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Our text this evening will be going down to that phrase in verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our 
Lord. Today, people are very focused on identity. Identity. The question of who am I? Who am I? And there's a certain sense in which I greatly sympathize with the struggle of our present generation of many young people who struggle with the question of who am I? And I come not seeking to be coming with a heavy hand, but more of a heavy heart. There's a sense in which this generation has been treated terribly. Young people feel so disconnected from previous generations today. Many have lost a sense of belonging. A sense of who they are. And because of this, they're seeking for identity in all the wrong places. All the wrong places. We know today of the highly destructive trans movement. And it's something that we never thought imaginable 10 years ago. Where across the United Kingdom, there are people saying, well, if you feel like you are, if a girl feels like they're a boy or a boy feels like they're a girl, they can identify this way. But much of this tragedy, and it is a tragedy, it is a tragedy taking place in schools across England and other parts of the world, is because of a loss of identity, of who they are. And we all want to belong to something, don't we? We all feel like we want to belong to a cause or something. Um, They want to know why they are to keep on going, the reason for living. And this is why they can be so passionate and committed to something that is so heartbreaking. But we all need to know who we are, don't we? All of us need to know who we are and what our purpose is and what is the authority by which we go forward in our Christian walk. And without this, we are a ship without a captain. We have no purpose. Without this, we are a blind soul without a guide. The Apostle Paul knew who he was. He knew who he was. And that's why he could come before various audiences and various Christians without any doubts. And speak with boldness and confidence. Not because of himself. There was a time he persecuted the church. But because of who he was. He knew his role. He knew his ruler. He knew his message to deliver. And he also knew the the measurement by which all these things are to be measured. And by which standard all things are to submit. He knew where he was going. He knew the direction he was going. And he knew who was captaining his ship. He knew his identity and his authority.
because of these things we're going to look at here this evening. Number one, we're going to look at the minister. The minister. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 1. The first half of the verse. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. This is Paul. Also known as Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus was born a Roman citizen. A free Roman citizen. Trained in Jerusalem as a Pharisee. A very zealous Pharisee. And because of this. Because of his zealous nature toward what he was being taught. And he saw the Christian message as completely against that. He once persecuted the Christian church and made war against her. But now Paul here in this letter. He's different. He's different. He is as the text says as Paul writes. A, a servant or a bond servant. Or a slave it could also be translated. Or a minister. Of Jesus Christ. All of those are suitable ways of possibly translating this Greek word doulos. A someone, someone who serves in obedience to the will of someone else. Someone who lives for someone else. That's his role. That is Paul now. That is his role when he writes this letter. A humble servant whose purpose, whose identity is in the will of another. That's who he is. He lives for another beside himself and he loves to do so. It is much better to live for someone else than ourselves. And, and you see this, don't you? You see perhaps even in the world of politics or in activism or various causes that people have. And they can be good causes and other things. But people are much happier and much more content when they're not serving themselves but serving for something else. A cause or a person or a message. The world largely sees this. Even the fallen world. The light of nature shows us this. Because serving self is miserable, isn't it? Absolutely miserable. But a week ago I read of a, a personal story of a man who was very close to taking his own life. And he was almost about to do it when he got a phone call. And the phone call was somebody he knew asking for him and telling him he needed help. And that stopped him from doing the unthinkable. He was thinking about someone else's needs for a change and that took him away for that. Now this man was not a Christian. This man still needs Jesus Christ. But it made me think about how we have been made in the image of God. 
And we have been made for relationships, haven't we? Even Adam had said of him in Genesis, it is not good for the man to be alone. It stopped him from doing the unthinkable to serve someone else. It's part of the law of God, isn't it? To love our neighbor as ourself. Even fallen man sees this. We may suppress the truth, but the image of God remains. We find joy in serving others. And who is the greatest person, the greatest friend to serve? Jesus Christ. The greatest one we could ever serve is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the greatest privilege on this earth. And Paul at this point of writing this letter knows this. When we see how wonderful Christ is. And we see how wonderful this role is to be a a servant, a slave to him. To minister for Christ. Now minister I mean there with small m. We may not all be preachers as Paul was. um, Or ruling elders or apostles as Paul was in the first century. Or deacons or other roles within the church. But we're all called to serve Christ. We're all called to be Ministers, small m, for Christ. Every single last one of us. Even the title apostle here means a sent one. A sent one. And, and it's not, apostle doesn't send himself. And he didn't send himself in the first century. Jesus Christ sent him. He goes for Jesus Christ. He does not go for himself. And we may struggle with our role in the church at times. Uh, We may struggle with our identity within the church. What are we be meaning to do? Is this what I'm? How can I serve in a way that is pleasing before God? None of us want to have these gifts that God has given us within the body and not use them. We are to live to serve Him. We are to delight to serve Him. We have been made to serve Him. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Question one of the shorter catechism. In serving him, we are made more like him, aren't we? Jesus Christ was the most compassionate, loving, merciful man who ever walked upon the face of the earth. Remember, true God and true man. Giving ourselves for others in a way pleasing to our master. Now, today, the idea of serving for the will of someone else doesn't sound great to, to modern, the modern world. It doesn't. It sounds horrible. Uh, we want our freedom. We want our way in our time. And that sounds like the best. But if you serve... And submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the most wonderful role. 
It is far greater than being a king of the greatest country. It is far greater than being a president of the most powerful nation. So the minister, number two now, the master. The master. Romans 1, 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And we've considered the role of Paul here, his identity. But let us now look at who his master is. Who is his master? And who is our master? Our society today struggles with authority. It struggles with the idea of someone being a boss. It struggles with the idea of submitting. And we see this, don't we, across society. We see it in sports. We see it in business. And sadly, we're seeing it more and more in schools. Often we can pick and choose who we will submit to. And based on not the law of God, but whether we like them or not. Or whether we respect them or not. But the reason Jesus Christ is the master of Paul's life is because he paid the ransom due. Paul's life is blood bought by Jesus Christ. It says in Acts 20 verse 28, the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. The church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we are part of that church. We are part of that body. Jesus Christ he is the Christ. And sometimes when we see that, ti- that title, Christ, we can sometimes think, you know, how we have John Smith and we think of Smith as a surname. But we really should think of Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. The anointed one spoken about in Psalm 2. The anointed, the whole idea of anointing is oil poured upon the head of a king. Being set apart, one being set apart or equipped for service for this mighty role. Because Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Hebrews 1, 8 and 9 says this. But to the son he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. When Christ, this King, when the Christ looks upon the Messiah, looks upon the earth, it is all His. It all belongs to him. It says in Psalm 24 verses 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's. And all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas. And established it upon the waters. The earth is the Lord's. And, and all its fullness. Another way to say that is. 
Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to Jesus Christ. He has founded it. And upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Why does it all belong to him? Because he made it all. He is the creator of heaven and earth. Paul's master is not just another mere man. Yes, man. But also God. True God and true man. His authority is this God. A bondservant of Jesus Christ is Paul. The creator of heaven and earth. And so because of this. Jesus Christ. Has rightful claim over every blade of grass. Over every single dust particle upon the face of the earth. Jesus Christ can say mine. And even more so. To the bride of Christ who is shed his own blood for. Mine. Mine. He paid for our sins to set us free. Not just from the penalty of sin in the world to come. That's a wonderful thing. But also set us free from slavery to sin in this world. He has given us every good thing that we enjoy. Should we, not like Paul, let others know that Jesus Christ is our master? That telling others that I am a servant of him. Here is my master. Here is my reason for living. And why is that such a wonderful thing? Because of who he is. Masters are as good as their character, isn't it? You know, if you're serving someone who is a cruel master, well, that's not a great thing. But if he's wonderful, if he is kind, if he is generous, if he is warm, if he is embracing, then it is the greatest thing ever. And we, we show people, here is our master, here is our king. Here is our Lord. Here is our authority. Because then when we come with the authority of Christ before people sharing this. It's a powerful message. Because it's a powerful master. Do we see. Do we see. That Christ is your Lord. And for the children who are here this evening, praise God that you are here. Do you obey this master? Do you obey him? Part of obeying the master is, yes, coming to church. That is a wonderful thing. But another part of obeying your master is do you obey your mother and your father, the fifth commandment. Not just for the children who are here, but for all of us. The fifth commandment is not just for children obeying their parents, but also for us when we have authority figures in our work, 
Um, and also, if we are a boss in our own right, we have responsibility for those who are under our care. Do we obey the master in our lives? Now, this is much easier if you live in a Christian home. It's much easier if you work in a Christian business. It's much harder if you don't work in a Christian home. Or if you don't work in a Christian business. Or if you come in contact with many people who are not Christians. And don't care about the law of God in their dealings. But we must show in our dealings with the world. And with fellow Christians. Who our master is. It's part of obeying Christ. It's part of obeying Christ. Is Christ your master? Number three now. The message, the message. So we've looked at the minister, the master. Now we're going to look at the message. This master has a a message, a a wonderful message. A message of good news for those who hear it. For those who forsake all to follow what the message says. It says in verse 1 of Romans chapter 1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Separated to the gospel of God. Paul has been separated, uh, set apart to this message, this wonderful message of his master. The word in Greek has the sense of Yes, set apart, but also by marking out boundaries around. We, many of us know that it can be important to mark out parts of land and fields and, and have each portion of field to do its different function. Maybe you're growing something in one field or maybe uh, this field is to remain empty for a few months To grow and replenish. Each area has its own particular function and role. And Paul's role is to share. And to spread this message far and wide. That's what it means to be separated unto a message. The gospel. It would be very strange to be separated unto a message. As Paul was as a minister of Jesus Christ. To keep that message hidden. To promote it within, yes, the body of Christ. But also outside of the church of Christ. And we see this in Paul's life. We see this in Paul's life in places like Acts chapter 17. In places like Athens as he spreads the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. The message is so important. That some, not all, but some called to be preachers are to be wholly given to this message in a special way. Ordained, set apart by God. Now not all of us are called to minister the word and sacrament. To be given to this message in the special way that Paul was given to this message. But we should see that this message is so important. That people 
qualified men, called of God, are to be set aside unto that calling. And what is that message, this gospel message? First uh, John 1.5 This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This really is a message of a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is light and telling all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. Or to put it another way, Jesus Christ is telling all men everywhere to flee from darkness and to come and embrace him who is light, who is truth. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. See, we're really putting before people a message of a master and a message of a role that we are calling them to fulfill, to to submit to that message, to, to, to trust in him and that Jesus would be their master also. You see, we're not just telling them a method to get to heaven. And yes, he is the way, but he's also the truth. And is also the life. We're setting before people. God. We're setting before people. The truth. The word manifest in the flesh. He is that glorious message. We present Jesus Christ. The most wonderful person. To ever walk upon the face of the earth. And people will gladly tell you. About their, their favorite sports stars. Won't they? Their favorite singers. Uh, their favorite Name it. Uh, The favorite person they're following on YouTube. But do we tell people about Jesus Christ? A far more important message. Everybody's got a message today. There are many messages today. Everyone wants their voice on the internet and social media. But there's one message that will matter in a hundred years time. In a thousand years time. And that is this gospel. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It is a glorious message because of the one whom we share. Jesus Christ. And to embrace him and to receive him is to flee from sin. Because he's so wonderful and glorious. And you'll never want to embrace him. And cling to him. Unless you see How wonderful he is and how horrible sin is. This message of Jesus Christ, which Paul, let's let's think back here. Paul once fought against this. He was at war with this message. He was so at war with this message, he was willing to travel great distances to track down. These followers of Jesus Christ. And put them into prison. And torment the church. This gospel message he once hated. He now loves. He now champions. He now proclaims it. And comes boldly. Before these Christians in Rome. This is the message. He now submits to. Remember. The words that Jesus Christ said to Saul of Tarsus or Paul 
on the road to Damascus. It says in Acts 9.4, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul was in re- on the road to Damascus was in rebellion. No doubt angry with all of those who would dare to share this message. And dare to challenge his system of religion as he saw it. And Paul said this later. It says in Acts 9.6. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord. Lord. What do you want me to do? What a change. A man who once railed against the gospel. Says to that one he was once persecuting. Lord. What do you want me to do? And from that day forth his life was changed. Jesus had a role for Paul in the church. And it was going to be a role. It was a wonderful role. But it was a role that would bring him suffering. Because not everyone wanted to hear this message. As it is today. Bringing of this message. Before a lost and dying world. Will also bring. The same suffering. We're not all Paul's. We're not all Peter's. We're not all any of the apostles. We're not all Priscilla's and Aquila's. We're not all Apollos's. But we all have giftings within the body of Christ. Every single last one of you. You might be thinking, but am I too old? No, 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 no. Don't think like that. Am I too young? No, no, you have a gifting. God has made you part of his bride and you have a certain specific role within the body. And for a body to function well, it must work together. We're not all preachers, we're not all Pauls addressing in this way to God's people. But we all have a role. Some are wonderful at visiting the sick and lonely. That's a gift. Some are wonderful at encouraging people and blessing those whom they come across with a word of encouragement. That is a gift. Some are good at using their hands to help others in times of need. That is a gift. Some have a burden for children and are particularly gifted at reaching children with the truth. That is a gift. May the Lord show us our role and identity and where we are to serve within the body of Christ as he showed to Paul. Our final point this evening is the measure. The measure. So we've looked at the minister, the master, the message, and now we're going to look at the measure. How do we know of this glorious message of salvation? How do we know of it? Um, If we go out into nature, will we find this gospel? No, if we study nature as the beginning of our confession tells us, it tells us of the wisdom and the goodness of God. But the gospel is not found in nature, it is found in the Bible. 
It is found in the Bible, the word of God. It says in verse 2, speaking of the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This light of the gospel came into the world as promised. Hundreds of years ago, promised. Hundreds of prophecies, promised of Jesus Christ who would come. We read it earlier, didn't we? In Isaiah 53, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. In verse 6, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Written hundreds of years before he walked upon the face of the earth. Malachi, another prophecy. In Malachi 3.1. Behold, I send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will, come, will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant. In whom you delight. Behold, he is coming. Says the Lord of hosts. And I could be here for a long time. Reading out many prophecies. From the Old Testament. Many many prophecies. Pointing toward Jesus Christ. These scriptures are truth. Without error. Without error. Infallible. And inerrant. Without error. The devil does not want us to trust in the scriptures. The holy scriptures. The first words we hear of the devil in Genesis chapter 3 are an attack upon the word of God. When he said this, has God indeed said? You shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Or as the King James translated Yea, hath God said. Did God really say this? Are you sure? These scriptures are the measure, the authority, by which we check everything else. The the word of the living God. How do we know if something is the right practice? What is the the measuring tape, you will, to, to see if everything is lining up to what it should be? It is not our opinion. It is the word of God. The holy scriptures and what they say. The the reformers called it sola scriptura. The scriptures alone. If we don't have confidence in this measure. We will not have confidence in in the message. And if we don't have confidence in the message. We will not have confidence in the master. And if we don't have confidence in the master. We will not have confidence in our role as ministers of him. This is the measure. And if the measuring tape is wrong. If we don't have confidence in our instruments. Do you love God's word? It is so vital. And it's very easy to say here this evening. Do you read it? But do you spend serious time? It's not just about 
getting through two, three chapters as quickly as possible. With any relationship, any relationship, quality time is needed. With any relationship, it's a two-way street. We need to speak to God in prayer. But we also need to hear His voice. Where is His voice? It is right here. It is right here. Do we love to hear His voice? If a loved one has gone away for a very long time and you haven't seen them or heard from them, when you hear their voice for the first time, it makes your heart glad. Our hearts should be glad when we hear the word of God because it is by these holy scriptures that we know the message at all. It's by these holy scriptures that we know Jesus Christ at all. What is your role here today, friend? What is your role here today, friend? You may be a businessman. You may be a farmer. You may be many things. You may be a grandmother, a grandfather, a father, a mother, an uncle, an aunt. But above all those things, are you a servant? Are you a minister, small m, of Jesus Christ? Are you a servant Of him. Turning from sin. Serving this master. How do you know. That Jesus is your master. Whose voice do you listen to. The voice of Christ. In the word of God. Or the voice of sin. The world. The flesh and the devil. Have you trusted him. This evening. Do you love him. And if you searched your heart and you said, I do not love him. Then this evening is the time to come. Not tomorrow, not the day after. Right now. Flee to Christ while there is hope. None of us know how long we have left on this earth. Run to Christ. Flee from your sin. And trust in him. And in him alone. Amen.